Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. And hey there, all you great people out there. Welcome back to Jay Madison's Rural America, a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Really happy to have all of you joining us today for this podcast. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, We're going to dive into a subject uh, that's very important, especially here in our local community, but across New York State. But before we get to that and before I introduce our co-hosts today, I just want to mention that, hey, the great, the most favorite springtime event is coming up very soon and that is maple weekend here in new york state it is a great time for all of you to get out and visit our maple sugar operations across new york state this is the weekend where many of them are opening their doors for you to come and visit and to taste some of that beautiful liquid gold if you will and oh just by the way the official drink of Jay Madison's Rural America is ale. Milk and maple. That's right. Maple, maple milk. milk. Yeah, get some. Get a cold glass of whole milk and uh, throw a couple teaspoons of maple syrup in it. Stir it up really good, and it is so, so good. But anyway, so Maple Weekend is coming up. Actually, two Maple Weekends, March 19th through the 20th and March 26th through the 27th. If you want more information about Maple Weekend, just go to nysmaple.com. That's nysmaple.com, and you'll find out all the information. You can even look up where there are sugar shacks, sugar shanties, in your local community that will be open for you to go visit and also pancake breakfast. So go check it out. Have a great time March 19th through the 20th and March 26th through the 27th. That's nysmaple.com. All right. Well, I gave you a little bit of a hint who's sitting here in the office with me, but I have uh, both co-hosts in the office the one and only al waltz my co-host for my radio show for oh god a long time way too long yeah well you know you were blessed to have me al yes (laughs) you could look at it that way (laughs) and coming from the great sunshine state of florida he finally has returned home come back to the great white north ron robbins how you doing sir hey good jay hey it's really great to be back here and experiencing the misery of uh, north country (laughs) winter so uh um not quite sure about my sanity coming back quite so quick but uh we're here and uh and ale he, he he's whining he's going back to florida in a couple weeks yeah Jeez. well i'm an expert whiner jay so uh, and you know you're talking about change the subject back to the maple uh you know at old mcdonald's farm we make our own ice cream there and the favorite of mine uh, not so good for the heart, but certainly oh. great for the palate is vanilla maple. Oh, oh yeah. that sounds good. Yeah. And that's homemade, right? That's there. homemade. Ice With cream. your milk, your yes, ice cream. Absolutely. Amen. Maple, so. a vanilla maple. That sounds ale. 
Do you see any ice cream in front of us? Jeez. Oh, let's talk about yeah. maple. I'm sitting here. My stomach is yeah. growling The now. guy comes back from Florida. Do we have any oranges? No. Do we have any vanilla maple ice cream? No. Well, <laughs> sorry, guys. I have I'll this vision right now of pancakes with a big old gob of maple ice cream. Oh, that would top. be good. Oh. oh, that would be really good. Oh, wow. I like Man. that. I like that. Well, so, folks, just to let you know, well, when I get these two characters in the studio together with me, uh, just preparing for production takes like an hour. We've been sitting here for an hour talking about a variety of topics. Just Solving the world's problems. Yes, we, we yes. were. Man, if only the three of us were like this triumvirate dictatorship, the world would be a much better it place. Would be it would be so, yeah. so much nicer. <laughs> I, I got a funny feeling some of our listeners that know us might be shaking their heads at the moment. Well, hey, folks, uh, you know, all, all kidding, all fun aside, we do have a very, very important topic to uh, talk about this morning. And I asked Al and Ron to come into the studio for this because I, I want them here uh, as, we, as we talk about this important topic. Here in Jefferson County and across New York State, there's been a lot of issues uh, going on with uh, dogs, uh, people's pets, coming onto farms in attacking our livestock. Over the years, I've had multiple people call me up and say, Jay, what do I do? How do I fight this? Uh, because, you know, people let their dogs run loose. They think, oh, my doggy is so nice. My doggy's so friendly. But the doggy's not in your control. And the doggy, when it sees a, a goat, a little goat or some sheep or some big dairy cattle out in the field, oh, here we go. Let's have some fun. Ron, have you ever experienced this? You have you have old McDonald's farm with lots of uh, different sized livestock plus the dairy farm. Yeah. Have you ever run into an issue with this? Sure, Jay. Uh and it it's a scary time when uh when a stray dog or, you know, a neighbor's dog takes off, uh goes gallivanting onto a farmer's property and uh, of course dogs are bred to be you know, somewhat, uh, uh, I mean, vicious, I guess, is a good word, if if they're kind of allowed to... To run at large. Run, yeah, run at They large. evolved from wolves. Yeah. So we've had, you know, calls where, you know, the the heifers or the beef cows are out in the, in the middle of the night where, you know, a pack of dogs has run them and they've gone through the fences. And, you know, the, the dogs themselves may not, may not really think they're... They're having a little fun, I guess, probably. But Big uh, dogs. Yeah. and uh, But it's a scary time. Then we've had dogs, you know, venture into the property where Old McDonald's Farm is. Uh, you know, we keep lights uh, at night. You know, we've had them in the afternoon show up, uh, even when the public's there. So it's it's definitely a concern. Yeah. It, you know, I one case in particular that I, I can recall here in Jefferson County, this was many years ago, there was a farm in southern Jefferson County that was trying to get started into sheep farming. Uh, they had purchased uh, three sheep. I think two of them were used. Maybe three were, were used. They'd all been bred or, or something like that. And they were looking forward to being able to start uh, a flock of sheep uh, as a farm operation. And... 
to that farmer, to the person that owned those sheep, they were also, in a way, their pets. They cared deeply for the animals. It, sure. w- it wasn't just a possession. It was something they cared for. And I think a lot of farmers you know, value beyond just the dollar value. They value their their livestock. As I, I don't think you'd be in the business otherwise if you right. didn't care about the animals. Absolutely. I mean, they that's farmers mentality is you know it's their their animals are come first yeah and uh you know that's just the way your your mind is wired if you are a farmer that uh, they you know not only are their life are you know your livelihood but you the passion that you put into raising those animals uh you know becomes quite near and dear to your heart yeah and in this in this case, um, the, the person that was sh- starting the sheep farm, they had three animals. That was the beginning of their flock. They were excited. They were all going to uh, have their lambs. I you know don't remember the exact specifics. It was quite a long time ago. The neighbors had dogs running loose, and the neighbors were warned once about their dogs running loose that they were coming over and harassing the sheep. Nothing was done. The dogs came back and attacked the sheep this time, and the the farmer chased them off. And the farmer relayed to me that they really wanted to just shoot the animals, but they were afraid to do so. And one of the sheep uh, had its jaw torn apart, I mean, literally torn apart. Uh, the other two sheep had, uh, they were damaged, uh, but still moving around. Uh, the farmer called the vet, and the vet came out and euthanized all three. She said that, you know, they're obviously the one with the jaw that was all torn up. There was no way you were going to save that animal. And she said the other two, they're just not going to make it. So here, somebody's dreams were, were dashed because of these animals, these dogs that were somebody's pets, were allowed to run loose. Now, Jay, when I was a youngster back in the dark ages... I understand the concern that this person had uh, about uh, shooting the the offending dogs. When I was a kid, that was normal practice, and and there were no repercussions really to speak of over that. It was just expected. Of course, those were different days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if somebody calls me up and says I'm going to shoot him, I say no. Uh, you're going to call law enforcement, and you're going to call your attorney. And you're going to explore your rights and you're going to do everything within uh, the bounds of law enforcement that you possibly can. Because there's just so much animosity towards anybody that kills somebody's pet, even when it deserves to get shot. Right. Um, and, and that's one of the things we're going to do, folks, is we're going to talk about a law that actually exists in New York State that uh, I don't think many people realize is on the books. You know, it, it appears based on the experiences I've had over the years, the, you know, the 20 years I've been doing this job, that not a lot of people are aware of this law or and that you know, potentially law enforcement isn't even aware of this law. And it's called the uh, dangerous dogs law. It's part of, uh, it's part of New York state consolidated laws of 2019, part of the New York state ag and markets law, article seven, and the particular section that uh, 
covers dangerous dogs is called Section 123. Easy to remember, folks, Section 123 of Ag and Markets Law. It's a dangerous dogs law. And uh, I don't know, had you ever heard of it, Rob? I, I actually have never heard of it. And, you know, I, you know, Jay, I just want to jump in here. You know, last night was a good example. It's, it's springtime, and, uh, you know, of course, there's a lot of deer moving. And, and this, this conversation should in no way, uh, you know, be negative towards pet owners and dog owners and, and certainly want to be compassionate to, to those folks as well. And, and last night was a good example. I mean, we have a big old yellow lab and we have a, uh, a blue tick and, and they, they lay on the couch and there's docile and on their dog beds and, you know, would never harm a, a soul. But last night there was deer moving mm -hmm. and those dogs were, barking at the sliding glass doors going out on our patio. They were pumped up. Yeah, yeah. There's an animal out there. Yeah. And so, you know, I guess the message here is that, you know, we're not we're not being critical of pet owners and, and we have to understand that you can have the most docile dog in the world, but under certain circumstances, it could be maybe they're scared off and, you know, loud noises, thunder and lightning, they get scared off, they they get uh, into an area they're not familiar with, then it becomes a survival instinct of that That's right. dog. That's right. And it doesn't matter the size of the dog. Right. You know, the smallest dog could scare a goat, could scare sheep, could scare deer, um, and cause damage to that animal by scaring it. Uh, whether it's running and it runs into a fence because it's being chased by this little dog. And we've all seen that. You know, my little pug is the bully of the house. He he basically bullies my black lab to do whatever the mm -hmm. pug wants. So it doesn't matter the size of the dog. They can still be dangerous to livestock or wildlife. Absolutely. They can hurt them. I, I mean, I was bit by a, a tiny little... Uh, uh, some sort of terrier when I was a ankle kid, biters. ankle biter, and they got me right in the Achilles tendon. It was the most painful thing in the world. Yep. Boy, did that hurt. Yeah. You know, I love pets. You know, like yeah. you, Ron, I have two dogs and a cat, and I love pets, and by no way are we trying to incriminate all pet owners. No, we th that's great. You know, we understand from the agricultural perspective, we understand loving animals, but... With that love comes responsibility. Absolutely. And that responsibility is a two way street. That responsibility falls upon the pet owner to control your pet, and it falls upon law enforcement to make sure that when you're getting these complaints, that you take the farmer's side of the story seriously and help them protect their pets from cruelty, their farm animals from cruelty. I think uh, there are a lot of people out there who don't understand the farmer's perspective on this, no, Jay. not at all. Because most people don't really know farmers personally. Many don't anyway. Right. It's not like well, when everybody and, was a farmer. And even if they know a farmer, they still, in their head, that's, that's a farm animal. It's livestock. They don't understand the importance, both financially and personally, as a member of that family, and, and even if you have a thousand cow dairy, 
you know those cows pretty well. And Absolutely. if that barn's on fire, you're running into the barn right. trying to yeah. get those animals Absolutely. out. Absolutely. So, um, so going back to the dangerous, dangerous dogs law, what that says is that there's a process, and I've never heard this be used before. There's a process. Okay, so Ron, let's say there's dogs coming onto your property, and they are one of two things: threatening. They are, uh, you know, posing a threat to your animals where they're you know, going up to them, they're chasing them, they're uh, harassing them, that is a threat. Or they're actually attacking them, mm-hmm. where they're making physical contact and causing harm to that animal. So it doesn't have to be a dead animal. Just the appearance of a threat mm-hmm. is covered in this law, this dangerous dog's law. So if you, run or some other farmer uh, has this situation where... The, uh, the livestock, your farm animals are being threatened by a dog on your property, you call law enforcement or you call the dog warden, dog control officer, and you, you know, have them come out. Make sure you're documenting, you know, video, uh, um, witnesses, pictures, even audio if you have to, but something that gives you a little bit of documentation. If nothing else, make notes. Yeah, just make notes. You know, and, and Jay, it, you got to understand in a situation like that, emotions are going to run pretty high. Right? Oh, yeah. So first, you know, as a farmer, you're going to say, what do I need to do to protect my animals? So, of course, your first thought is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kill these attackers, right? Well, hopefully you could figure out a way to not have to do that. And if you can, then it's the responsibility of, of law enforcement or the enforcement officers to, to really take this thing seriously to say, this can't happen again. Okay. Luckily this farmer handled this properly. He called he was able to scare him off. He was able to limit the, the damage. But then it's the responsibility to say, okay, where where did these animals come from? How are we going to make sure this never happens yeah. again? And so the dangerous dog, dog's law does provide a an avenue for that to happen. So what happens is the, the farm owner calls and says, hey, you know, whatever law enforcement officer it is, says, hey, I've got dogs that are threatening my livestock. Can you come out? The the uh, dog control officer, law enforcement officer, whoever that law enforcement agency person is, they come out, they need to inform the farmer about the dangerous dog's law. If they're failing to do that, they're not doing their job. So they need to fu- inform the farmer of the dangerous dog's law, and then the farmer has to be given an opportunity to file the complaint. Once you file that complaint, then the uh, enforcement officer has to bring that in front of a judge and either they have to make a complaint under oath or the, the farm owner would have to make a complaint under oath. Once that happens, then the judge or justice of the peace, they have to have those uh, animals impounded immediately. Those mm-hmm. animals have to be impounded according to the law as mm-hmm. I'm reading it right here in front of me. Those animals have to be impounded. Then there is a hearing where the complainant has to prove, you know, it, it, 
the burden is on the complainant, uh, you know, innocent until mm-hmm. proven guilty. That and I'm looking for the exact language here. They're, oh, clear and convincing evidence. There's what I'm looking yeah. for. So the complainant has to provide clear and convincing evidence that the dog is dangerous. Now, again, that does not have to be that your livestock were actually physically harmed. The clear and convincing evidence that the dog is dangerous might be that they were threatening those animals. And as long as you can provide clear and convincing evidence that that was the case, that dog is a dangerous dog by the law. So the judge has to hear that, then the judge makes their ruling, and then if they rule that the dog is dangerous, it, it's not that the animal is automatically euthanized. That's, that's not okay. the case. There's, there's a variety of things that can be done. There's a variety of things that can be done, uh, steps that can be taken uh, to start to bring the situation under control. Have you ever heard of that being done, Ron? No, never have heard of that being done. Al? No. Neither have I. Yeah. That's the problem. I don't think anybody knows about this law. So, here on Jay Madison's Rural America with Ron and Al as co-hosts, we are trying to get the message out because we have to turn the tide of farm animals being treated with cruelty by pets. Let me say that again. We have to turn this situation around and not allow farm animals to be treated with cruelty by pets. It's a two-way street. That's important to remember. I dare say that most people have never thought of it that way. Probably not. Probably not. And we're going to start to get the message out about it starting today. Yeah, this is a really, as we come into spring here, you know, and and come out of winter, and, and like I said just last night with, deer moving and you know the the instincts of these dogs no matter how docile or you know how much of a pent they are the owners of those pets really need to be aware of you know what their movements are you know what their boundaries are on the property uh are they going off the beyond those boundaries right and and if so you know how can they how can they manage to make sure it doesn't happen on a regular basis. Right. There's going to be isolated instances, and hopefully those are the instances where things can be dealt with with a cool head. Yeah. And people do their job, follow the rules, follow the law, and hopefully, uh, you know, it can be reconciled in a in a favorable manner so that everybody comes out a winner. Yeah. And, and I always, always, when I get a farmer calling me up saying, you know, and it's not specifically this, or when I get a person of the public calling me up complaining about something a farmer has done, the first recommendation I always give is have you talk to the other person. Yeah. That's the first thing to do. Communication. Yep. Communication. Have you talk to the other person. But in the case of an animal attacking your livestock, I would document that. Yeah. I would document that you've done that. Then... If it happens again, you take the the other steps. Now, I just want to uh, go back to that clear and convincing evidence because the New York State Bar Association, on their website, nysba.org, defines what clear and convincing evidence means. It says that it is 
significantly more likely than not that what the complaint complainant is saying is true. So it doesn't mean that you did capture, you know, video, excuse me, uh, that you captured that video evidence. But it, it says that you have shown that it is significantly more likely than not that what the complainant is saying is true. So if it's, if it's a farmer, the spouse, uh, another farm worker, you know, are all saying that, that might re you know, reach that level. I can't say for certain, but it might reach that level. But again, you know, recommending the farms document, document, document every step of the way what's happening and try to grab a picture, try to grab some video, something that indicates that this is happening. Now, there's, there's another section, and Al, you actually uh, alluded to this, what would happen in the past. Um, we do not recommend this. But I want to talk about it to make it clear what the law says so that when people are at the coffee shop, they're not, not misleading each other to thinking they can just take certain action. Within Section 123 of Ag and Markets Law, there is Section 123A that gives an exemption for, from civil liability. And again, we do not recommend this. We recommend you do everything but this. But I'm going to read the exact language of Section 123A, the exemption from civil liability in the Ag and Marcus Law, just so we're clear on what it says. It says, one, if any dog shall, without justification, attack a person or behaves in a manner which a reasonable person would believe poses a serious and unjustified imminent threat of serious physical injury, to a person, when such person is peaceably conducting himself or herself in a place where they may lawfully be, such person or any other per person witnessing the attack or a threatened attack may destroy such dog while so attacking, and no liability in damages or otherwise shall be incurred on account of such destruction. It's pretty clear. Mm -hmm. Now, again, we don't recommend that you do that um, because chances are your life is going to be hell for a while. Absolutely. If you use a, a firearm, yeah, you're, 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 you're going to be looked at in the eyes of uh, most law enforcement, I think, as uh, a vigilante. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> it's, it's going to be miserable. Now, Section 2 of Section 120, Paragraph 2 of Section 123A, Exemption from Civil Liability, goes on to talk about farm animals, and it says basically the same thing. If any dog shall, without justification, attack a companion animal, farm animal, or domestic animal, so let's say if a dog attacks your pet, or shall behave in a manner which a reasonable person would believe possesses a serious and unjustified imminent threat of serious physical injury or death to that companion animal, farm animal, or domestic animal, where such animal is in any place where it may lawfully be, on your farm, 
if you're walking the animal, you know, if it's your dog mm-hmm. and you're walking it, the owner or caretaker of such animal or any other person witnessing the attack may destroy such dog and no liability in damages or otherwise shall be incurred on account of such destruction. So those are the two paragraphs of Section 123A, Exemption from Civil Liability. That's under Ag and Markets Law, the Dangerous Dog Section, which is 123, Article 7 of the 2019 New York State Consolidated Laws. Again, we do not recommend, um, and you you really need to be thinking about what you're doing, uh, before you actually take physical action against somebody's pet, because you know, whether you're really, right or wrong, it's going to be a bad situation. It's right. really too bad, Jay, that you know there isn't an effort on behalf of you know uh, law enforcement or SBCA and and other agencies here to to really one be knowledgeable about this law and number two, you know, help educate the public about how important this law really is. And, you know, hopefully that would ward off, you know, if we were doing, I mean, here, I'm a farmer and I knew nothing about it. Um, You know, obviously we got a huge uh, responsibility here on behalf of of some of our folks within certain enforcement agencies and and, uh, agencies like the SPCA who are, you know, People are adopting pets. Uh, you know, they really should should be an education effort, in my view. I agree. I agree. And uh, at a recent Jefferson County Farm Bureau meeting, uh, a discussion came up about this, and nobody knew. Yeah. Nobody knew. Um, so hopefully starting today with this podcast and some of the upcoming efforts that our office will be taking on behalf of agricultural economic development – uh, we'll be getting the word out, but I hope that others will also take up this yoke, including uh, the the organizations that represent pet owners, mm-hmm. and that we educate everybody. That number one, control your pet. That's the first responsibility. The same way farmers are responsible for controlling their farm animals. Yeah, you you would be in trouble, Ron, if some of your herd got off the property and was roaming down the road. Well, you know, we had a situation a couple of years ago where, for whatever reason, some of our beef animals got out and got over onto a neighbor's lawn and punched it full of holes. And uh, <laughs> we actually got sued and had to pay to have a landscaper come back in and fix that person's yard. So... You know, yes, we would be in trouble. <laughs> and But, you know, I, I go back to, you know, we have a lot of towns have, and our county has dog enforcement. Uh, we have, you know, leash laws and other things in certain towns. We have dog licensing regulations. It, you know, and I've always kind of looked at those as kind of being, you know, just kind of a money grab, right? You know, uh, there really should be some responsibility that goes along with towns, uh, that have these enforcement laws in place to, you know, have something that goes along with that. When you get your, if you're going to enforce having a dog license, make sure that there's some education that goes on yeah, with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's be fair to all yeah. concerned. Yeah. 
You know, it, that's that's the most important part. Let's be fair to all concerned. You know, I can, in, in that uh, story you just told, uh, Ron, about your, your cows, I can remember when I was a kid, we had this pony at our house. <laughs> His name was Rocket, and he liked to chase cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately... Pony chasing cars. Now that's a visual. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. My, wow. my dad got the phone call from a neighbor, your horse is loose, and he's out on Route 104 in the town of Scriba, chasing cars and he's got traffic stop and every every time the cars would st try to start moving he'd chase them again uh, so unfortunately you know we had responsibility for that yeah. and we ended up because we just you know with our little place we really really didn't have the the proper facilities to take care of them so yeah. we, we ended up giving them away to a farm that could Take yeah. proper care of him. Yeah, you know we had that response. Luckily, he didn't cause any ass accidents, yeah. and we didn't get written any tickets or anything. But you have a responsibility for your animals, yeah. and you know we make you know yeah a, a horse chasing cars on Route 104 is a funny story, but if somebody had died, it wouldn't yeah. have been right. Yeah. So somebody yeah. had driven off the road. Yeah, but anyways, um, so we wanted to share that information with all of you. That there is a law on the books called Dangerous Dogs. It's Section 123 under New York State Ag and Markets Law, which is Article 7 of the 2019 New York State Consolidated, well, the 2019 Consolidated Laws of New York State. You know, it's, it's important that that information gets out to the agricultural community, it gets out to pet owners, that it gets out to our law enforcement agencies uh, and all involved in the justice system so that we're fair to all concerned. Gentlemen, that's a wrap. We've run out of time yeah. for today. Sorry, we had some other stuff we wanted to talk about. but Well, we're pretty passionate about our topics here, aren't we? Oh, so. we, we <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. Sometimes we get a little overpassionate, but that's okay. That's okay. Any parting words, Ron? No, I uh, certainly uh, great to be a part of this conversation because I think it's really important. And some of these other topics, we can come back next week and uh, work on those. And you never know. If we get bored, we might even be back sooner than that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Al, any parting words, my friend? I'd just like to welcome Ron back to uh, the North Country and uh, let him know, uh, Ron, I'm incredibly envious and jealous of your time in Florida. And I just haven't been able to get away this way. Well, yeah. I, I, oh, it's driving me nuts. It uh, being down there in what we call a free state, uh, <laughs> I had to throw that in. Uh, You're just trying to get me in trouble, aren't you? Al, you would fit right in. Well, I lived there for 28 years, and I do miss it. Many respects of it, because yeah. there is a sense of incredible freedom down there. Yes, there is. All right. Well, gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have you on the show and folks we really appreciate you tuning into this podcast and hope that you'll join us every week right here on jay madison's rural america a production of jefferson county economic development thank you for tuning in to jay madison's rural america make sure to join us weekly if you have any questions about the show call jay at 315-782-5865 
For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.